Welcome back to Challenge Radio, the official podcast of Progressive Labor Party. Progressive Labor Party fights to destroy capitalism and the dictatorship of the capitalist class. We organize workers, soldiers, and youth into a revolutionary movement for communism. Today we have a reading and discussion on the latest editorial in Challenge about the genocide being perpetrated in Gaza. Editorial, Gaza Genocide, No Nations, Early Communist Liberation Utter chaos, destruction, and brutality have followed the October 7th Hamas incursion into Israel that murdered 1,300 and wounded 3,000. The relentless response by the unity government of Israel, led by the butchers, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his liberal counterpart, Benny Gantz, has to date murdered over 4,000 people, including more than 1,000 children, including wounding over 10,000, leveling hospitals, schools, and homes in Gaza. The war reflects and foreshadows the collapse of U.S. imperialism and the callous death trap that imperialist rivalry and nationalism hold for the workers of the world. This capitalist genocide will grow to even greater proportions in the coming days. As the bodies of hundreds murdered at Al-Ali Hospital in Gaza City are counted, and the bombings continue, and likely ground invasion begins. Capitalist Genocide the deaths of workers in Gaza are not collateral damage. They are the inevitable result of indiscriminate bombing of workers trapped in a densely packed city carried out by the Israeli military. The criminal war minister of defense, Israel of Israel, the criminal war minister of defense of Israel, Yoav Gallant, ordered the complete siege of Gaza, referring to workers there as human animals and promising, quote, there will be no light, food, no fuel, Everything is closed, end quote. The fascist cliques that rule Gaza and Israel are state terrorist murderers, sacrificing the lives of workers to carve out their positions and profits in a volatile and shifting world order. Workers and soldiers on both sides and everywhere must break down nationalist, religious, and ethnic divisions to fight together to crush a capitalist system that so completely fails the workers of the world. This war in Gaza also creates greater instability and the risk of an escalation that, together with other conflicts like the one in Ukraine, paves the way for the outbreak of a third world war. Capitalism only offers war and death to workers. The working class must destroy it with communist revolution. From top dog to dog fight. This current war between Israel and Hamas is the continuation of the fight for dominance of the Middle East and its oil as the hegemony of the U.S. empire continues to decline. The same U.S. ruling class who refused to bomb transport lines to Nazi concentration camps and turned away Jewish survivors of the Nazis supported the creation of a quote-unquote Jewish state and the displacement of millions of workers from Palestine in exchange for a Cold War ally against Soviet influence of the Middle East and support to fight the production and flow of the region's oil. This nationalist bribe, sold to workers as a solution to centuries of anti-Jewish racism, is leading to the mass slaughters of workers in Gaza and now Israel. Nationalism and alliance with bosses anywhere are deadly for workers.
Over the decades, the bosses in Israel, in exchange for vast sums of money and weapons from the U.S., have provided crucial support for U.S. interests. The Israeli bosses helped secure the Suez Canal in the 70s. They followed weapons to the Nicaraguan Contras in the 80s and provided crucial geopolitical and intelligence support to the U.S. bosses' control of Mideast oil. Meanwhile, the U.S. bosses support the Israeli bosses' apartheid laws and helped to negotiate peace with neighboring countries that continually condemned workers in the West Bank to live under a contiguous state of attack from Israel nationalists and the IDF, and workers in Gaza to live in what is largely recognized as an open-air prison. But recently, the U.S.-Israeli partnership and dominance have begun to unravel. Netanyahu refused to support sanctions against Russia after Russia invaded Ukraine. Earlier this year, China broke in a restoring of relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran that undercut decades of the U.S. boss's strategy of playing them against each other. United States weakness. This week, the U.S. has mobilized two aircraft carriers to the area, anticipating a further escalation of the conflict and hoping to discourage its global imperialist rivals such as China and Russia, as well as local nationalists such as Iran from providing support to Hamas. Even as the world is witnessing genocide in Gaza, Biden can only react by giving his unconditional support to the butcher Netanyahu, who half of the population in Israel rejects, but who, by murdering workers in Gaza, will try to gain support in a divided Israeli society. The decline of U.S. imperialism around the globe is an increasingly volatile situation. The U.S. is being challenged by rivals big and small. The increasingly desperate U.S. bosses will not go down without a fight. Their growing desperation is adding fuel to the fires. Israel created Hamas. Hamas has controlled Gaza since 2007. It was founded as a nationalist organization in 1988 at the onset of the first uprising against the Israeli occupation. But its roots date to the late 1960s and 70s when the Israeli bosses were grasping for an alternative to the Asir Arafat's Fatah organization. When an adherent of the Muslim Brotherhood, Sheikh Ahmed Yassin, formed the Islamist group Mujama al-Islamia in 1979, Israel recognized it as an official organization. According to Ishan Taror, Yassin's Mujama would become Hamas, which it can be argued was Israel's Taliban, an Islamist group whose antecedents have been laid down by the West in a battle against a Russian-backed enemy. Israel encouraged the rivalry between Fatah and Hamas, even looking the other way as Hamas amassed weapons. Hamas does not represent the resistance of workers in Gaza against the oppression of the Israeli state any more than Fatah did. Hamas, with the tacit support of the Israeli government, has always been primarily interested in seizing control of Gaza from Fatah in securing its own control of the territory. For years, Hamas has been reaping hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes on food and clothes from the starving workers of Gaza to fill the pockets of his leadership and maintain his network of supporters. While the working class on both sides of the Gaza war are trapping the ambition of the nationalist group Hamas and Israel's murderous ruling class for workers around the world, there is no good choice under this deadly system. The only way out is communist revolution. For the workers, there is only one way out. 
to demolish capitalism and its rhetoric of nations, religions, races, and borders, and build a communist state to guarantee his health and housing together as a single international working class. Capitalism creates religious and racial differences to undermine the revolutionary potential of global working class unity. Thousands of workers inside and outside these countries will be dragged to support one of the fascist nationalist sides led by Israel or Hamas. Both oppressors and enemies of the working class, both must be swept away through a communist revolution. From the ruins of Gaza and all the places devastated by capitalist war, the revolutionary consciousness of the international working class must be reborn. Let the imperialists start their wars. The workers will finish them with communist revolution. The boss's might Join Progressive Labor Party Men and women fall in line Wage slaves of the world unite Do your duty for the cause of workers' liberty They're spending billions every year For guns and ammunition their army and their navy dear to keep in good condition while millions live in misery and millions die before us don't sing my country tis of thee just sing this little chorus should I ever be a soldier the red flag I will fight Should a gun I have a shoulder It's to crush the boss's mind Join progressive labor party Men and women fall in line Welcome Which back to Challenge Radio. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the uh, violence that's exploded in the region that the Israeli state controls, particularly the pogrom that's happening in the Gaza Strip. We're watching events unfold in front of us, so you know we need to stand up against this violence against the working class. But I wanted to take a minute to go back a little bit and give my wonderful three comrades joining me to give some background on this situation. So, you know, how did we get here? What what is Israel? What what is Hamas? How did we get to this point? Since 1947, Israel, with its Zionist leaders, racist Zionist leaders, has been trying to take over the whole Palestinian territory and expel Palestinians from more and more and more of it. My Palestinian friend had a family with an olive orchard, and the rule was the they couldn't take over the uh, people's uh, property if there were olive orchards on it. So the Zionists snuck in at night and chopped down the trees, and the next day they took his house. That's what they've been doing, and they've been doing it since 1947, for 76 years. The situation is more dire and has developed past the stage of colonization because of the stage of capitalism and imperialism that we're in currently. So a lot of people are questioning U.S. liberal Joe Biden and his administration as to why he keeps sending more military aid to Israel 
And it's because the U.S. is holding their line and support for uh, Israel's military force so tightly because China is rising as an economic and, and military power. So the situation with capitalism and, and imperialism is intensifying. And this, so that explains it to some degree why the response is getting worse. Um, okay, what, you know, how, how are workers to understand what Israel is? Zionism is a political philosophy that says Jews must remain separate and must fight against all non-Jews. It is a racist ideology. My grandparents escaped from the Ukraine before World War I. They escaped pogroms, murders of Jews. And, uh, but those murders of Jews continued throughout history. But the Zionist answer was never a successful uh, defeat of, of the attacks on Jews. In fact, it helped them. There was a guy named Rudolf Kastner who was a top Jew in Hungary during the Second World War. He made a deal with the Nazis, with Adolf Eichmann himself. He said, give me 1,500 Jewish pals, rich pals of mine that I can send to Israel. In response, I'll give you half a million people on the cattle cars going to Auschwitz. This was later exposed in 1957 in a trial in Israel. So the top Zionists had a history of collaborating with the Nazis and uh, turning their backs on the Israeli workers, even during the Second World War. Uh, so we have, again, a nationalist capitalist project throwing workers under the bus in order to save the ruling class of that ethnicity. Um, I, I have uh, two Jews here. And so can you talk a little bit about why you're not Zionist? I mean, don't you think this is the way to keep Jews around the world safe is to have a state? I mean, I, yeah, as as one of those two Jews, um, I... When I was very young, I think I did subscribe to the nationalism to a certain extent because it's it's thrust upon you in a lot of Jewish culture, even in even in secular Jewish society, which is is pretty prevalent in in Jewish culture in the United States. The the idea of Israel being the homeland of the Jews and you know something that needs to exist is still very prevalent and uh while i supported it at first um i think that for me personally seeing all of the evidence of the 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 state that the palestinians were living under and having been to israel a couple times myself and and seeing that you know they are clearly the ones that are in the the dominant position within the the you know, the country and the, the territories that are there, coupled with the fact that there's a few, at least a few, maybe many Holocaust survivors that have, you know, decried what Israel is doing in Palestine as the equivalent of what the German Nazi party was doing to the Jews. You know, that plus hearing about um, the party's line and how nationalism of all stripes, including Zionism, is harmful is what ultimately brought me to where I am today and in, in completely rejecting Zionism. There's a great book uh, written in 2016 called State of Terror by a guy named Thomas Suarez, who's a violinist and used to be a violinist in the Palestinian uh, Conservatory of Music. And this book talks about how the Zionists since 1900 have used murder not only against Palestinians, 
but also against Jewish people who are anti-Zionist. And it goes into great detail using British intelligence records, Zionist own accounts of their own work, uh, blowing up synagogues in Iraq, of, of uh, attacking uh, anti-Zionist Jews. This book is an eye-opener and should be widely read. Yeah, I think it's important that people understand that Zionism as a political project is based upon setting Jewish workers against workers in, that are living in that region. And so, I mean, if, if you're thinking this is going to make you safe, do, do Jews in Israel feel safe right now? It seems to be an obvious question that this is hitting workers against each other does not lead to safety for anybody. Um, I think that we should spend a little bit of time talking about Gaza. What is the Gaza Strip? What is life there like? I've heard it referred to many times as an open-air prison. What was it like to live there? Well, first of all, I heard that it's really densely populated, right? Where it's, it's not even bigger than the state of New Jersey. So, so it's a very small area. And also people refer to it as this open-air prison because people can't even leave. So we saw with recent news that Palestinians or, or workers in Palestine in this cutoff territory were being told to evacuate. And I saw people saying online that they can't they can't evacuate. There are no there are no exit points where they can leave. Yeah, the IDF told the million people in the northern half of the strip to evacuate south, which is physically impossible, particularly in the time scale that they're asking for it pretty inhumane um yeah in, in addition to that i think even before the the recent attack by hamas and the retaliations that israel has uh commenced and surely will continue it was it you know palestine was referred to as an open air prison for a bunch of reasons in addition to what some of my comrades have already said the the fact that there's an insanely high level of unemployment the fact that medical supplies are limited going in electricity is controlled electricity water and you know fuel is controlled by israel a fact that they use for propaganda to try to make it sound like they actually provide charity to palestine by providing those things to palestine when it's essentially a an embargo a blockade and, and they make them pay for it right 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 it's of course it's lies to even any scrutiny would make it seem foolish because why would Israel want to do charity for this people that literally they're what I forget a general or defense secretary or something just called them human animals. So to, to think that that their propaganda has any truth to it is silly. But I mean, even well before that, there was a, a well, you know, that quote about one Israeli official talking about limiting the caloric intake of Palestinians to just above starving level so the the parallels one can draw between that in a, and a prison are plentiful no matter how terrible the terrorist crimes of hamas were against jews there is absolutely no justification for even huger even more terrible crimes against humanity by israel against the population of Gaza and the West Bank. Many thousands of people have been terrorized, murdered, brutalized, and imprisoned by the Israeli Zionists. We can never forget that. Yeah, Jewish guess, people should never forget that, and no one should forget that. Yeah, I guess a population of people who are mostly children, the majority is children. I heard someone talking about this. They said that 
for about 20 years now, the air above Gaza is constant humming of drones because there's so much surveillance. And yet at the same time, almost everyone in the Gaza Strip has never laid eyes on a Jewish person in person because they're not allowed to leave. They have no life at all. Uh, on that nightmare, um, we sort of have a, a, a good transition here to talking about the Hamas attack. So the party has been very critical of this attack. Um, and I think it's an interesting thing to talk about because the PLP is a fighting party and we've always understood that militancy and revolutionary violence are necessary parts of class struggle. Um, we've also oftentimes supported or participated in violent worker uprisings in the past. Um, and we, you know, we've had our share of battles with um, racist groups and et cetera in our history, and we're proud of that. So why the criticism of Hamas using violence in this case? Hamas was actually developed and promoted by Israel over its history. It was used by the United States in its early days to fight against uh, the Assad family in Syria. It was used um, uh, alongside of ISIS to do that kind of fighting. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was uh, promoted also by the Muslim Brotherhood, which is an organization sponsored in large part by the United States as it overthrew government after government in the so-called Arab Spring, such as the government of Egypt, which was overthrown by the Muslim Brotherhood. And the Muslim Brotherhood is closely allied with and uh, spawned Hamas. So Hamas has never been a friend of the work workers in Palestine. It's heavily taxed them. It's uh, been overlord over them in, in Gaza. It's uh, made a lot of money off of them. And it uh, uses terror tactics, which cannot possibly help the struggle to unify Jewish and Arab workers, which is the only solution, just solution in the Middle East, is the unity of Jewish and Arab workers and others against capitalism. And that's why we as a, as a party believe that communism is really the only solution. Uh, communism and, and international unity is the only solution to these capitalist murderers, whether they're Zionists, whether they're Hamas, or whether the U.S. government. I mean, basically, these, these uh, forces are very similar. Terrorism cannot be an answer to oppression. It always leads to strengthening the imperialists. Well, the comrade really put it greatly. That was, that was also, um, I was going to point out, that's also in the tutorial uh, about the, the taxing under the section about Israel created Hamas where it says for years Hamas has been reaping hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes on food and clothes and these workers are starving and also like you mentioned it's, it's kids you know it's like you have young people on uh, in the territory of Palestine as well as uh, and what's deemed as Israel that are being indoctrinated to believe in racism and, and nationalism and a birthright of one over the other is toxic is anti-working class. This is what we mean by the danger of imperialist war and nationalism because it's just kids getting killed, kids that are being turned into cannon fodder, young people that are being lied to, and neither side is, is a just solution for us, especially if Hamas is still just making themselves another capitalist faction you know, taking on uh, these these cuts from workers and having luxury items that's funded from outside capitalist sources. The nationalism, I think, is is an important 
point to discuss and PL does a really good job with its line on it because nationalism is obviously an issue in the region in the sense that the United States and uh, just, I guess, the West historically, right? Because it was Britain that helped create Israel in the first place. And there's a long history of different ethnic groups being pitted against each other by creating these fake nationalist lines in order to solidify the control of capital because they're very comfortable with different groups of workers fighting against each other and not not acting in solidarity. But, you know, in, in, in 2023, we see the modern left in the United States starting to coalesce around the opposite nationalism of uh, a Palestinian state and and really trumpeting this line and really supporting Hamas and, and thinking it's this anti quote unquote anti-colonial force that it's not and really just falling into the trap of nationalism from the opposite end it's not as though leftists are are you know probably supporting Hamas or any other nationalist current in Palestine directly or even financially but it really muddies the waters for a line like PLs that calls for solidarity amongst workers in both Palestine or the territory known as Palestine and in Israel and all other workers, which would actually create hope for both of these groups of workers rather than perpetuating this this conflict. Because unfortunately the best thing the the modern left has to offer is really just this, you know, really just this 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 excuse for hope that you know maybe Hamas will be able to negotiate uh, a ceasefire and then we have you know this will happen uh, again and again as the you know the United States and and Russia and China continue to have their imperialist rivalry that brings these sides into conflict more in the future as we speak uh, president biden is giving this news conference in which he's trying to get lots more money and arms for both Israel and Ukraine. And it shows the weakness of the U.S. Uh, imperialists. It shows that uh, he has to go and plead, as, as of course the U.S. Congress is totally dysfunctional, Biden has to plead for more arms. They've almost used up all their ammunitions anyway in, in, in uh, Ukraine, and they want more arms for Israel. They even had to take a bunch of weapons from Israel and send them to Ukraine. And now they want to get more weapons and send them back to Israel. It's like they're, they're running short of, of, of killing supplies. They're desperate to fight these wars. The U.S. has fight overthrown and governments or fought, fought wars in 51 countries since the Second World War. They, they're trying to control the whole globe. And uh, they're getting pushback now from uh, their imperialist enemies, Russia and China and other countries, who are seeing how this the sanctions policy and the other policies of the U.S. are not making the world safer for anyone except the U.S. Uh, capitalists. Well said. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit to the point that was made about um, muddying the waters. I think that's exactly right. Whenever you have these instances of worker-on-worker -worker violence, you can say, well, someone's being misled here on who their enemy is. I think in a real way, you can say that Hamas's position, that the enemy is Jewish people or or Jewish workers in Israel um, is an ideological attack not on 
Zionism, but on the Palestinian working class, because it prevents them from coming forward with an analysis that says, well, capitalism is the enemy, pro-capitalist forces are my enemy, and then anyone who's negatively affected by capitalism, including exploited Jewish workers, are materially an ally of mine. And the only path forward is multiracial unity. A multiracial fighting force could actually win the day. Um, but Hamas can't stay in power. And they and I don't think people realize this, but they rule Gaza as a one-party state. There's no elections. There was an election a long time ago. Most people who participated in it aren't alive. Most of the population there is too young to have participated. And they rule that as a one-party state. They fought a war with Fatah to capture and control that territory. And they push this line because that leads them in charge. The fact that it pushes back the working class movement, I think, is a very important point and shows that they're not on the side of working the working class, not the international working class, certainly not the Jewish working class, but not the Palestinian working class either. Specifically on the tactic of terror, the, the party, while we support violent fightback, we don't support terror as a tactic. Um, and there's a lot of information in the editorial and this coming out recently about the incestuous relationship between um, the Israeli state and Hamas. Um, what, what is, why are we against terrorism and specifically what, what political role has it played in this case? Vladimir Lenin was a very strong opponent of terror. Actually, there was a group of uh, people in Russia that tried to assassinate the Tsar back in the 18, late 1800s, including Lenin's brother. And they were captured and his brother was executed. And I think that gave him a pretty interesting view of terror. But basically, terrorism cannot substitute for mass rebellion. It's impossible. What terrorism does in general is it provides a strengthening to the imperialists. Look at the 9-11 attack on the World Trade Towers. After that, the U.S. used that as an excuse to invade Iraq, which had nothing whatsoever to do with that attack. And they killed several million people in Iraq in that invasion. Several presidents were involved in that. Remember uh, Madeleine Albright, was it, who said, uh, yeah, the, the death of uh, half a million Iraqi children was a, a valid price to pay. Terrorism strengthens the hand of the imperialists in general, but a mass rebellion can overthrow them. Terrorism can never do that succeeded in uniting the Israelis who were in massive demonstrations for many months against Netanyahu, who himself is a criminal who would be in jail if he weren't the prime minister. There's some rule that the prime minister of Israel can't be put in jail. That's the only reason he's so tenaciously holding on to it. Not the only reason, but the fact is that if he weren't the prime minister, he'd be in jail right now. And uh, so he, he has no principles whatsoever. But the fact is that there were these massive demonstrations on his attempt to change the laws of Israel to get, make him basically the emperor. Yeah, I think that a lot of this hard right turn in Israeli politics, including this stuff about the Israeli Supreme Court, a lot of it has to do with inflaming tensions in the West Bank by arming settlers, by supporting them and displacing Palestinians at an increased rate and using violence to do that. And I think to a large degree, we can see that politically what he was looking for is to be able to point to an existential threat outside as a way to unify the country behind him, given, you know, all of the problems, political problems he's been having. Um, I, you know, in this case, he may have gotten more than he bargained for, but certainly it seems that his agenda is to inflame things as much as possible in order to 
you know, how unite around a national Zionist political project at the expense of Israeli workers. That's right. If, if Netanyahu and the Zionists didn't create this Hamas attack, it certainly helped them. And we're seeing the effects of that racist ideology spread internationally. But in the U.S., there's been some particular cases that have come out, uh, like a landlord in Plainfield, Illinois, that was charged with a hate crime for killing a six-year-old in a drunken rage against Muslims in light of the 24-hour racist propaganda that we're seeing against Palestinians. Uh, we see that the UN president is a black woman and the CEO of a company that's sending over bombs to Israel, Ted Kolber, is a graduate of a historically black college and university, Warhouse College in Atlanta. So we also can't be mistaken or where I'm seeing some black and Latin workers in the U.S. be mistaken that the U.S. is for us or if the U.S. rescinds their support for Israel or Ukraine, that there will be more of a win for us around healthcare or student laws being forgiven or inflation. But supporting a nation state, no matter your race or gender, doesn't come without a cost under capitalism. Um, so on that note, like what do what do we propose instead? Uh, what are we what are we pushing for now? I definitely think that even though it may seem like so somewhat abstract, and especially when both sides, the, the pro-Israel imperialism, nationalism, fascism, and then the sort of pro-Palestinian state of the left in, in the United States and elsewhere are so loud, I think that it's important for us to simply support the working class as it's trying to express itself as a unified working class. So calling for workers in, in Israel and Palestine to reject the idea that, you know, this or that ethnicity is their enemy, that Arabs are the enemies of Jews or Jews are the uh, enemies of Arabs. I mean, you know, even in our local spheres or bases that we have here, I mean, I know in my workplace, I'm a teacher. And I work with some uh, Palestinian teachers, and I, I've been on you know good terms with uh, a few of them, and, and we speak and we're friendly, um, and everything's been great. But since this this happened, there has been some tension. Like I tried to speak to one of them today, like I normally do, and that worker was hesitant to speak to me, and and you know she later came by to like kind of say sorry for giving me the cold shoulder, and she explained that it was. It has to do with this. And, you know, she knows that I'm, you know, someone who's been friendly with her before. But this kind of thing, this tactic of the bosses absolutely puts pressure on workers all over the world to be at each other's throats for false uh, differences. And I think that, you know, the way she came and apologized afterward, and we continued to, to talk, even though there was tension, it shows that to continue to, uh, reach out to your fellow workers to try to organize fight back with them against the bosses and and spread the party's line can can do something to inoculate the working class against these uh, false nationalist divisions. Definitely. So also thinking about workers turning the guns around. 
uh, where whenever we're met with these situations, we're seeing this mass uprising internationally, which is awesome, which is a glimmer of hope in this dark night of our potential of communist fight back and pushing for communist revolution. So definitely waving that red flag in the streets. Uh, we said that EL will be and has been out in force uh, and pushing for communism, but also whenever we're met with these imperialist wars that are going to continue to happen in, in other places, uh, at least that's what we're hedging on to try to turn these imperialist wars into a class war to push for and try to create the future that we want to see that's egalitarian, that's anti-racist, that's anti-sexist, and communist, to try to put that out there whenever we get the opportunity to. And right now, it's, it's a really strong opportunity for us to go out there and show solidarity with Arab, Jewish, Black, and white workers, standing with them, and also pushing for why we need communism, why nationalism and capitalism and imperialism is killing us in a dead end. I, I want to say that the uh, Israel uh, government's blockade of Gaza has been compared to several things. Number one, uh, it's been compared to the siege of Leningrad during the Second World War in which a million people starved to death when they cut off the food. It's been compared to the Warsaw Ghetto where the, uh, the Nazis surrounded the Jewish people in the Warsaw Ghetto and cut off all anything that they had uh, to survive with. And I think that um, this war crime, which Israel has carried out against Gaza for so many years, cannot be ignored. Someone told me they thought it was blowback that the Hamas attacked the uh, Israelis. But I think that uh, that's the wrong way to look at it. Yes, people will always fight back if they're oppressed, but you have to fight back in the right way. And that's why you need Progressive Labor Party. You have to fight back with a communist line a line that unites the working class, not one that divides it. Yeah, a line that can win instead of trapping people in an endless cycle of bloodshed. Um, and I think this message right now, I mean, it's a very, it feels like a very hopeless situation because the multiracial working class movement that we want to see emerge there, uh, my comrade was talking about, it's just not there at this moment. And it feels like there is no subject that can prevent the slaughter. But I think this line about turn the guns around is extremely important right now. If you're an Israeli soldier, you do not have to commit war crimes because you're told to. You don't have to slaughter innocent people. You don't have to bomb innocent people. The working class in Israel is strong enough to resist this call. And the same goes to for the Palestinians. The Palestinian working class is strong. They are perfectly capable of analyzing the situation and fighting back in ways that can win. They don't have to be trapped um, just because Hamas has the, the power right now. I want to zoom out a little bit on how this relates to the inter-imperialist rivalry that's been covered so heavily in challenges of late. In particular, I'm interested in what this means for the dynamic between China and the United States, and also the sort of the, the cooling that's happening between, on the one hand, Iran and Saudi Arabia, and on the other hand, Israel and Saudi Arabia. What, what do people think about that? Does this, does this have much to do with that? Well, I think so. I think the dollar was the world uh, currency, and the U.S. has tried to weaponize it and use it for its own advantages. And they've sanctioned so many countries from Venezuela to Cuba to Russia to Iran and so on and so on. 
And as they use this weapon more and more and more, other countries are looking at it and saying, hey, we don't like this. Now China and Russia have set up this thing called BRICS, where more and more countries are flocking to it. Saudi Arabia has, has, is joining it. South Africa's in it. Several uh, South American countries and African countries are in it. And the idea of this is to provide a counterforce to the U.S. Uh, currency domination because they said, well, oil was always sold in dollars. No, we're going to sell oil in some other currency. And this is going to strongly weaken the U.S. economy. It's going to strongly weaken the U.S. dollar and the U.S. power over other countries economically because uh, people are pe people in different countries are, are, are finding it less and less tolerable to be ruled by this single imperialist. The problem is they're falling into the arms of the other imperialists, the Chinese and the Russians, who have their own uh, axe to grind. And, and basically, we're seeing the world, as the U.S. goes down in its power and China-Russia alliance uh, increases, the danger of world war increases. We need to turn the guns around internationally. The editorial cites that the U.S.-Israeli partnership and dominance have begun to unravel with Netanyahu refusing to support sanctions against Russia after Russia invaded Ukraine. And then earlier this year, China brokered a restoring of relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran that undercut decades of the U.S. boss's strategy of playing them against each other. So... I think that that also shows you see this competition between the U.S., China, Russia. Just yesterday, President Russian President Vladimir Putin was in China meeting with Xi Jinping for the third Belt and Road Forum. It's the 10th year anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative, which is a really strong infrastructure that China is building up to try to compete with U.S.'s infrastructure, which is crumbling, you know, and also their hold is crumbling internationally. So we're seeing that world imperial powers are building forces, and it's important for the U.S. and the state of capitalism for it to be militarily strong before the next World War III. And I think that the, the, the conflict is also something of a weather vane on the attempt of the United States and and the you know the various concentrations of capital behind it in in their mission to or at least the big fascists mission to discipline the ruling class in the United States because we see a lot of conflict for example with the the recent Russian invasion of Ukraine about whether there should be this no holds bar support for you you know Ukraine or you know whatever the the state that in ukraine that the united states supports um or whether the united states should retreat from that conflict and worry about more domestic issues like the small fascist and more domestically oriented concentrations of capital would prefer but recently i believe it was the senate unanimously decided to send funding to you know billions and billions of dollars in aid to israel to support this attack on the Palestinian territories and it shows how this is the ruling class in the United States starting to coalesce and discipline itself during this imperialist rivalry to uh, an increasing degree and that that you know'll probably continue to, to to happen as the rivalry heats up 
Good point. And this is, I think, illustrates why we say that the liberal big fascists are the main danger, certainly are the main danger to the Palestinian workers. All right. Thank you all so much. Um, you know, wh what we're fighting for right now is an end to the bloodshed. I know that a lot of uh, members of the party have been out protesting the U U.S.'s role in enabling this, what is quickly becoming a genocide, and we'll continue to do so. Um, we support uh, the Palestinians' uh, right not to live in an open-air prison. We support uh, a mass movement to overthrow the Israeli state, and we will continue to do our work to make sure that the proper villains are identified um, and lift up our voices in condemning the U.S. liberal fascist role in uh, creating this bloodbath. Um, I want to thank you all for your political work and for joining me for this really important conversation. We, we uh, call for the uh, unity between Jewish and Arab workers in the Middle East against Zionism, terrorism, and fascism. Well said. And I think that's a very important political point that's not being made by much of the left that is, I think, afraid to be honest about um, how they feel about the tactics and leadership that Hamas has given to this movement up to this point. So thank you all for your political courage. Keep fighting back, comrades. Dare to struggle, dare to win. Yeah, it's solidarity with all the workers out there. Always um, continue that fight back. And uh, PL will always be with you, all workers um, against nationalism. Biden apparently did not talk about the reprisals against the Palestinian population in Gaza. If, if I can, someone should check that. But it seems to me that uh, I'm just looking at a review of his talk. It seems that he didn't say that. He did say that Hamas does not represent the Palestinians. But he did not oppose the Israeli bombings and and killings that are going on now in Gaza. Yeah, shouldn't shouldn't be any uh, confusion about which side he's on. He never will be on our side, the worker side. Get your challenge 